we're joined now by Stephen Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs. Stephen, uh, good morning, and, and let's begin with baseball. Uh, the Frogs with a great weekend, and now they are five and one in league play. Only Oklahoma State is ahead of them, and they're undefeated at three and zero. Yeah, they're playing pretty well. Uh, took care of business against Kansas State at home. K State's bullpen really struggled to throw strikes, not help TCU pull away in those games on Friday through Sunday. I actually went out last night and stubbed their toe against ACU at home, so that was kind of funny, but that's baseball for you. Um, they'll pick back up tonight against UTA and then West Virginia after that. Um, the schedule worked out pretty well for them early here in conference play. They have a chance to stack up some wins at home against some teams in K-State and West Virginia that were projected to be at the bottom of the conference. And then later in April, um, they get Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, and back-to-back-to-back weekends. So that's really when we're going to see how good this team is. But um, as much as they can, uh, as far as, you know, trying to pad that that win total right now, that's going to be really significant down the stretch as they try to, you know, stay alive and, and stay somewhat in the mix in the Big 12 championship race. Stephen Hornfrog football in full uh, spring practice mode right now. And uh, one of the things that Sonny Dyke has said, he wants to, you know, change the culture a little bit with TCU. And part of that was having the alumni day last weekend with over 150 former players from the 50s all the way to last year come back to practice. And it was a big day. How is that changing the culture and how positive a day was that for the Frogs? Right. I mean, it was a good move by him. I think he's hitting all the right notes off the field so far. And it's a big deal, Ward, because, I mean, you know, Gary, Gary Patterson was there for so long. I mean, those former players, they love him. They trust him. They knew him. You know, if they came back to TCU, he was there. He knew their families. Um, they had the, the saying that they always said was 40, not four. So, you know, if you went to play at TCU, it wasn't just a four-year commitment. Like, um, they hope to be involved with your life, you know, all the way through. So, um, it's a transition, and he's trying to earn the trust of those guys. It's a different voice. It's a different era. Um, so I think it's really significant that he had them out at practice, that, you know, they had a meal afterwards and he got a chance to speak with them. Um, as much as he can get those guys on his side, that's a big deal uh, because this is a proud program with a lot of, you know, famous alumni in the past couple decades um, that have an influential voice in the decision-making. So it was a good move by him. Um, and I just feel like the way he's been pretty open and accessible to the fans and to the media early on, uh, has been a good PR move for him. You know, I don't know how much how much that'll it'll stay that way as he you know continues to kind of establish himself. But um, it's been a nice change of pace early in his tenure. Stephen Quentin Johnson is arguably the well, the best receiver in the Big Twelve. But when you look at this roster, is Quincy Brown a guy that you expect to step up and become wide receiver number two to take some of that pressure off of him? I can definitely see that. Yeah, Quincy Brown's an interesting story, Garrett. Um, he was originally committed to Mississippi State uh, back in the 2020 class. That didn't end up working out, had some academic issues, then sort of just quietly ended up on TCU's campus, played last year, made an impact towards the end of the season. Um, but I, I think that's a name to know. And, uh, you know, with this offense, with this air raid offense, they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, try to spread it around. Uh, you want to have multiple guys that can take some of that pressure off Clinton Johnson because, as you said, he's going to get a lot of attention. And, uh, you know, I, I saw Quentin talk to the media yesterday. He's put some weight on in the offseason. He's trying to work hard to stay healthy because that's been a problem for him, um, just kind of physically getting beat up the past couple of years. If he can do that, then I think he can have a big year. But, yeah, they're going to have to spread the ball around. And I think they intend to do that. You know, Tay Barber and Darius Davis 
are two guys in the slot that have been around for a long time, and I feel like they'll be really involved in the offense as well. Um, if you can find a way uh, to not allow teams to roll coverage to Quentin constantly, then that's going to benefit the whole offense. So, yeah, Quincy Brown's a good name to know, and, and I would expect him to um, be one of those guys that has a breakout season uh, with a new direction in the offensive scheme now. Stephen, under Joseph Gillespie with this defense, is the philosophy going to be to play faster and more downhill with this defense? I think so. Um, you know, the, the defensive guys have been talking over the past week about just how it's, it's funny and different learning a new system um, and trying to figure out all their responsibilities. But I, I think, you know, one thing in the secondary, you're probably going to see less man coverage. Um, but I, I do expect it to be aggressive, that being said. Like, I think they're going to try to fly the football. Uh, and, you know, one thing that um, that Gary Patterson really prides himself on was having a pretty complex defense. And I wonder if, if Gillespie tries to simplify things a little bit, especially in year one, so these guys can just kind of try to read their keys and fly to the football as much as possible and not have to worry so much about thinking through, um, you know, every single possibility in a, in a play call that could go down. So I, I feel like he's going to try to get them to play fast, to play hard, to play downhill, like you said. And, uh, you know, that starts up front with this three-man defensive lineman uh, front that they're going to have, and they're going to have to find a way to get some push there and allow, uh, you know, their linebackers to make plays. Kind of sticking with that, man, is that where having Marcel Brooks go back to that linebacker position is going to be beneficial for this team? I hope so. You know, Garrett, I mean, I, I personally would uh, bet a lot on Marcel Brooks. That's nothing against him. It's just he's been he's been on campus now for two seasons, and you really haven't seen his impact. Now, as you sort of mentioned there, he's gone back and forth. Like when he got there from LSU, they had him on the defensive side of the ball as more of an outside linebacker. Then they tried to put him in that wide receiver spot. That didn't work. Now they have him back at linebacker. Uh, but he had a uh, – in the practice Saturday, which was more of a kind of an open scrimmage, he forced a fumble. Um, and you could tell the guys on the sidelines were going crazy. I think the, his teammates really want him to be good. They see the potential. The coaches see the athleticism. They see the potential. Um, he's a Fort Worth kid, a former five-star recruit. So – if they can find a way to, you know, get him to play fast, get him to play hard, fly around and make some plays, and that's going to be big for this defense. Uh, it's just a matter of finding a way to get him on the field and finding a way for him to be effective. Chandler Morris bulked up over the offseason and, and looks pretty good right now. Do you think he's going to challenge for this starting position this spring? I definitely think so. I feel like it's a pretty open competition. You know, I, I think Sonny Dykes and the new staff, want to give respect to Max Duggan for being the starter for the past few years. And I know he's been getting a lot of those first team reps early in camp, but um, Chandler Morris has gotten some of those reps too. And, you know, you saw what he could do against Baylor. He followed that up with a really tough game against Oklahoma State. But um, I think his ability with the arm talent he has to make uh, make big-time throws, make throws in coverage, is going to be something that could separate him. And, uh, yeah, I, I firmly believe – he'll be in the mix. I, I think, you know, if if him or Max kind of separates themselves during the spring, then maybe they just stick with the what they have in that room. I could also see them maybe adding a grad transfer after spring ball just to try to get some depth in there. But I think they want it to be somebody who's already on campus, and um, Chandler Morris definitely has an opportunity to go, to go get that job. And regardless of who wins this battle, Simi, it's really about – 
protection, right? And you've got to be able to be comfortable in that pocket. And that's really, when you look at this line, particularly the left tackle position, I know there's a battle going on right now. Do you think it's going to be Marcus Williams or is it going to be Michael Nichols who comes out and earns that spot uh, for this first game? Yeah, that's a big question the offseason. Um, you know, neither of these guys have played a whole lot, so I don't have a great read on who's going to win it. I, I think Williams, Marcus Williams has been getting more reps with the first team, uh, you know, according to the guys that are out there at practice every day. But you're, you're definitely right, Garrett. I mean, for all the criticism that Max Duggan has gotten thrown his way the last few years, a lot of the issues have been the fact that he just simply hasn't had a clean pocket. He's always been in for his life. Um, and this offensive line is so strange. You know, they've had games over the past couple of seasons where they've been really good running the football, like getting downhill um, against teams like Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia. And I know I'm mentioning some teams that have also finished towards the bottom of the conference lately. Uh, but then they've had games where they just cannot find a way to protect the passer. So that's going to be a huge thing. I think uh, Sonny Dykes is going to try to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast to help those players out. But if you want, like, if you want to use Quentin Johnson, if you want to use Quincy Brown, if you want to uh, use those guys to their full potential, then you have to throw the ball down the field. And to throw the ball down the field, you have to have a clean pocket. You have to find a way to block. So, yeah, those tackle positions are, are ones to watch. Another name I'll throw out there, Garrett, is Garrett Hayes. He came in that same class as Quentin Johnson. He was a four-star recruit. And I really haven't heard his name much. I know he's been running with the second team mostly in spring camp. But I wonder if as the year goes on, this is his third year on campus, Maybe he's finally at a point where he can contribute. But, um, yeah, I think it's pretty wide open of that tackle spot. They just need somebody who can protect the quarterback. We mentioned Quentin Johnson, the former Temple Wildcat, quite a bit. But what about the other Temple Wildcat on the team for the Horn Frogs, tight end Jared Wiley? How's he looking in the spring? Well, you know, you know that he's, uh, he's pretty impressive physically. Like, he's a big dude. And um, I'm excited about Jared. I think – Maybe it's my bias showing through a little bit because, as you mentioned, we covered him there at Temple. But I always felt like when Texas threw the ball, like good things happened. They just didn't give him a ton of opportunities. I think at the very least he could be a force in the red zone, somebody that can use that body and that size to go up and get the football. But, uh, yeah, I think they want to use Jared Wiley. Um, the tight end position was not something that was used a whole lot under Doug Meacham. But uh, Sonny Dykes had some success with uh, Grant uh, Calcaterra at SMU. So I, I feel like that's – a position they want to get some more production from. And there's really nobody proven at that spot. Um, there's a, a transfer from Mississippi State, uh, Jeterius Spivey. Um, there's a, a player who's transferring, who didn't transfer in, but he in, initially came to TCU as a quarterback named Alex Hoyne, and now he's moving to tight end. So there's nobody that's uh, just got that spot locked down. I think Jared Wiley will have an opportunity to get some playing time. And, uh, yeah, I feel like he can be effective as a big target going over the middle. What's the most anticipated game for you when you look at the Horn Frogs uh, schedule this uh, upcoming season? Well, I don't know if it's the most anticipated, but I, I think this game will tell you a lot about how the season's going to go. And it's that rivalry game against SMU and non-conference play. Because they've lost the last two times they've played the Ponies. And honestly, the last two seasons, after those losses, um, the season just really took a turn. Like, you could kind of tell there was a lot of hope, there was a lot of optimism, and then they got beat up physically by those SMU teams, and all of a sudden there was a lot of finger pointing that went down. I think the team sort of lost its confidence. Some of the excitement that had built up during the offseason went away. Um, so I think going on the road to Dallas with a fan base is going to be juiced up because they're not happy that Sonny Dykes left. That's going to be a, a big test early in the season for this team. 
And if they can take care of business and get to 3-0, and provided they win their games against Colorado and uh, Tarleton in the, in the first two weeks of the season, then I feel like you can have a TCU team that can be poised for a pretty, uh, pretty positive year. All right, Simi, uh, Final Four coming up this weekend. Monday night, Stephen Simcox believes blank is cutting down the nets. I think it's Kansas. I feel like Kansas and Duke is your national title game. And I know Duke has so much motivation with Coach K, you know, saying farewell and him going out on top would be a fantastic story. But um, KU, to me, they've just been the most consistent team in March so far. You know, had a tough first half against Miami, but then righted the ship really quickly. Um, the emergence of Rumi Martin has been another scorer for this team, another weapon for this team that they haven't really had all year long. And I don't think they've played their best basketball yet. So I think uh, they take care of business against Villanova and then they beat Duke in the in the, chi- in the title game, and Bill Self gets another national title. The podcast is locked on Horn Frogs. What do you got coming up? Plenty of spring football coverage. Um, and, yeah, we're talking baseball as well. And then basketball offseason started, so we're watching closely to see if Mike Miles decides to go pro or if he returns for one more year. And it's locked on Horn Frogs wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. Talk to you soon. Steven Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs.